The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. You know, I was a child of a single-parent, alcoholic father, college dropout who had worked for Hooters her whole life. I mean, even now, tell me how compelling that might be to some people if you just read the headlines. Welcome to The Path. I'm Ryan Roslansky, the CEO of LinkedIn. And on this show, I sit down with the world's top leaders to talk about the decisions that shape their unique careers and how these valuable lessons can help you forge your own path. Today, my guest is Kat Cole. Kat has one of the most inspiring career arcs I've ever heard, from a teenage waitress to leading international corporations in her early 30s. Here's how Kat Cole paved her path. I want to go way, way back to uh, a young cat growing up, and maybe the first time you can remember at all what you wanted to be when you grew up. When I was very young, I remember wanting to be a dancer. My next, maybe more typical uh, aspiration professionally was actually to be an attorney. My teachers told me I love debate, I like talking, um, I should be an attorney. And so that got in my head, and I pursued that for a while. And then I ended up working several odd jobs. Uh, I grew up uh, very poor, so my mom left my dad when I was nine, and she needed to work multiple jobs. I needed to start working very young, and so like many people who need to work uh, as soon as they legally can at 15, I started working. I cleaned gym equipment. I then got a job in malls selling clothes. I then became a hostess at Hooters, and that was all before I was 18 while I was in high school. Was the path in your head that you, you know, I'm going to graduate high school and go to college, or how were you thinking about education during that time? College was the plan. I was the first person in my family to get into college and uh, on both sides. And so that was a very big deal. And working these jobs was essentially not only saving money to pay for my own living expenses, but to pay for college. I was an electrical engineering and computer sciences major and a psychology of women minor. Kat was juggling school and work, taking on all the shifts she could at Hooters to cover tuition. She was a hostess, a waitress, a bartender, even a cook, and it paid off. She quickly moved up to manager. She eventually was asked to train employees at other local franchises in Florida until she was overseeing training for the entire region. And then when she was 19, the Hooters corporate office called and asked her to join a team of people going to Australia to open the first franchise in that country. I'd never been on a plane. I did not have a passport. I was already traveling a bit for um, locally to help with other restaurants, but I'd only been out of the state a couple of times. But I said yes, and that Australia opening was my first ever international trip. It was my first real time away from home and out of the country, and it turned into a nonstop set of opportunities because the company was growing in Central America, in South America. So I said yes to all of those. And it was that back-to-back -back travel of opening restaurants as part of the opening teams that led to me really failing college. And I met with the counselor and 
I remember she said there is a way to make this up. You can you know, basically it was going to take a lot of time, which would mean no more travel, no more openings, and actually working less, which I couldn't afford to do because I was yeah. still pulling waitress shifts in between those openings. Wow. And so the the choice was so obvious to me. I love what I'm doing. I'm good at it. There's tremendous opportunity. And while I absolutely love school and deeply believe in higher education as a privilege, as a ticket, as a door opener, I had something more compelling right in front of me. So I dropped out. My mom was not thrilled, as you can imagine, but it all worked out because that continuation of opening restaurants turned into my first ever corporate job opportunity. And at the age of 20, I moved from Jacksonville to Atlanta to take my uh, first corporate gig in the corporate headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. I do understand what you're saying. I did something very similar and dropped out. And I still remember the phone call from my mother. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I know that you became a vice president just at the age of 26 years old. Mm -hmm. did, did you feel like when you, you know, entered that corporate world and started taking on more responsibility, did you feel like you were prepared for that, especially mm -hmm. at such a young age? Like what was that first like VP role like? I mean, I did feel prepared in a way for the VP role because I'd been in the corporate world at that point for six, five and a half, six years. I had entered at the ripe age of 20. <laughs> and so that wow. was the role that I wasn't prepared for. It was a shock yeah. on every level. It was a shock because I was moving from essentially being paid tips to a paycheck, <laughs> salaries. The climate, the environment, the attire was very different. You know, all, all of that was quite different. And so 2021, those were big corporate shock years. But then I acclimated, and every two years or so, since the company was growing so quickly, I took on more responsibility. So I went from managing a small team to a larger team to an entire department to a couple of sub-departments by the time I was 25 years old. So at 26, I was deeply entrenched in the company, in the culture, in the corporate environment. So that was kind of like a long runway to get to that executive takeoff, if you will. And I, I felt pretty well prepared, but I also had some incredible bosses or leaders who had mentored me along the way. Do you feel like you had a, a plan and a vision of what you were trying to do, or were you just trying to get as much experience as you could across different parts of the company? You know, I, I advise people to plan. <laughs> I admire <Yeah. laughs> the strategic career pursuit, but that was absolutely not me. I was more of a strategic opportunist where I wanted to do the best job that I could in things that I love and then say yes to the opportunities as they came and deliver incredible results. I just, I loved it. And from the time I was serving chicken wings, I thought, you know, who knows what I will be. I still thought I could go be a lawyer at that point, but I also believed I could run this place. Like I, I felt, I, I truly felt a sense of ownership or owner's mentality, even as a waitress. And that followed me through to the corporate environment. One of the really unique things that I learned about your background was eventually you end up getting an MBA. Yes. Uh, I know even though I don't believe you ever received a bachelor's degree, no. <laughs> uh, which is really unique. Um, what, what, what was the kind of thought process you had about why you needed to go or wanted to go and mm. get an MBA? I mean, one, I had this real-world bachelor's experience, bachelor degree or undergraduate degree experience because I was traveling around the world leading teams in countries where I'd never been, leading teams I had never met, and sometimes with languages I did not speak. I lived it. 
I was in the, the school of the trenches or whatever you want to call it. Yet, I got a phone call from a mentor of mine. And she had stayed in touch for a while. And she called me and said, you know what, Kat? Um, I think it's great what you've done. If you only want careers in this industry, which was the mm. restaurant industry, yeah. you'll have no problem. Yet, if you want to get anywhere else, you will not get through their HR filter. You know, I was a child yeah. of a single parent, alcoholic father, college dropout who had worked for Hooters her whole life. I mean, you know, even now, tell me how compelling that might be to some people if you just read the headlines on the CV, I did not want doors to be closed to me that shouldn't be. That's the part that bugged me. I was already a vice president of a company doing hundreds of millions in annual revenue. I didn't need the MBA, but I didn't love the idea of any option being closed. And so to me, that was a simple thing to do to ensure maximum doors were open. Kat takes the GMAT and asks 10 CEOs for recommendation letters, including CNN founder Ted Turner. She lands a spot in Georgia State University's executive MBA program. She's taking ownership of her career and the narrative around it. Then in 2010, Kat was offered the role of president of Cinnabon, and she accepted. But Hooters was in the middle of changing ownership, and Kat felt that after 14 years at the company, she had to stay and help during the transition. Cinnabon held the position for her for months. Hooters was so great to you and so oh, great to your career. And, so great. And was, was that a tough decision to leave and, and to do something new? Like, how did you navigate that? No, it wasn't tough. I mean, it was 14 years. And you know, when you're yeah. somewhere for that amount of time, and certainly for me, I had so many roles. You know, every two or three years, I was in a very different, larger role. There were many moments to reflect. Do I still yeah. love this? Is it still right for me? Am I still the best person for what they need for this role? And so it just reached a point where I knew for the next chapter that I wasn't the person to be the CEO of that company. I knew I was ready. I just didn't know when or where. And uh, like many things, as a result of years of work and relationships, the opportunity uh, came to me, or at least the opportunity to interview, and I was incredibly grateful. At 31, Kat is sitting at the helm of a struggling company. It was her job to turn it all around, all while finishing up her MBA. So she revamped the business model, taking Cinnabon's reach beyond the world of malls and airports. And her ability to work with and grow different brands within their parent company caught the eyes of many. Four years later, she was asked to step into the role of group president of Cinnabon's parent company, Focus Brands, overseeing companies like Auntie Anne's, Moe's, Jamba Juice, and Carvel. So I sat down with the CEO and he said, you can either do bigger and more of what you've been doing or be the group president of Global Channels, which sounds cool, but um, it was like three people instead of thousands that I was used to, and help us do this for the other brands. And I didn't have to think very long what was new, what was different, what was expansive, what was maybe more complicated and highest value. If it was going to be done at Focus, I didn't want anyone else to do it, but me, the person who had navigated it so meaningfully as an operator of one of the brands, because I could, I could really help the other brand presidents bring the, their brands to life. And so I did that. Then I became group president of Global Channels to build this licensing CPG business. We did that, got it going. And then I became president and COO of the parent company uh, of Focus Brands with eventually all nine presidents reporting to me. And that was my last four years at Focus Brands of the 10. 
At a certain point, again, you decide to leave, you know, a company that you've really been a massive part of and kind of mm -hmm. helped build with focus. What was kind of the thought process of that? So a few things were happening in my last three to four years at Focus Brands. One, I uh, became uh, more involved in public speaking, helping other large enterprises navigate frequent change and think differently about modern leadership. Eventually, that led me to some investing opportunities with early-stage companies. And so for my last few years at Focus, very quietly, I didn't talk about it. I didn't post about it. It was just what I did. On the side, I became an angel investor in early-stage businesses. And then it just became clear that I was, I was feeling the pull to businesses that were earlier in their S-curve, that were more shaping the future of their industries. And at the same time, I felt my job was done. At Focus Brands, we had built an incredible team, restructured multiple times, leading the industry by many metrics. And very similar to when I reached this point at, at Hooters, I realized, you know, if the opportunity were there for me, I would not, I'm not the right person to sign up for another five years to be the CEO of this company. I'm ready for that next change, to translate yeah. my skills into something else, and something else that's even more aligned with where I'm spending my dollars, my time, my energy. And so I knew it was time to go. I could see it very clearly this year where I would just help other people build their businesses. And I had the absolute most confidence that the right thing would emerge from that time. But um, 2020 happened, and I was going to leave and then we brought in a new CEO, and I thought, ah, it's the right thing to do to help him get onboarded. Yeah. And so I did that. Yeah. And then COVID hit right away. And that was a terrible time to leave the business. And in both both times that I was ready to leave Hooters and Focus Brands, something happened that caused me to delay that departure out of a mm. real sense of commitment to the business. Not everyone makes the move to do the right thing. Mm. Why was that so important to you? And it happened to you twice. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose one piece is, since I was very young, I have an owner's mindset. This is my team. These are my franchisees. These are my customers. And I had a deep sense of responsibility that if someone's going to lead them through chaos or through a really difficult time, I want it to be me. No one's going to care as much. No one's going to know these people inside and out. No one is going to understand the inner workings of the business in the way that I have, having moved up from the bottom, like, you know, the great poet Drake started at the bottom, now we're here. Um, these journeys create very deep connections to people and deep care about what happens and how it happens. But I know I'm going to do it in a way that is so deeply honoring what we've been through that it's worth it to put this opportunity on hold for one more year. And, and, and I suppose then there's also a belief that things will still work out, right? It's not like opportunities are just going to vaporize because I decided to stay and help my team through an incredibly tough time. And both times, what has occurred is I have been rewarded. The timing got even better. The opportunities got even better. And and then when people heard the story of why I didn't leave earlier and why I chose to stay, 
I have to believe there was something that said to them, this is someone who cares, who is going to yes. carry that owner's mindset forward, even if she's not the founder or doesn't own the company completely. But once we went, made it through 2020, I figured I would just take a year off. I've been operating since I was 17 years old. I probably yeah. have earned a break. Kat took that time to spend with her family, continue her public speaking work, and focused on advising companies in the wellness and food technology space. That's where she meets the founder and CEO of Athletic Greens, a daily nutrition company. She loved the brand and its potential, and eventually joined the team as president, COO, and board member. I was advising the founder and loved the way we worked together and his vision, and I was blown away by the underlying health and economics of the business. And he said, come help me build this. And it took a few months of me saying, wow, I don't know, it's smaller than what I've done before. Do I want to do smaller? And then I realized actually um, smaller, earlier, not small, just smaller than billions um, is actually a killer move. And it's an opportunity to put my thumbprint on the business, to be a part of the upside more meaningfully, to shape a movement of health ownership around the world. And I'd actually been preparing for it for almost five years by being on the board of directors of growth stage companies, by investing in early stage health and wellness business. It's so funny, right? You look back and go, ah, it may not look obvious from my LinkedIn profile of what, how did she go from here to here? But what was happening behind the scenes, the activities, the investing, the mentoring, the relationships, the evolution of my life and my personal interests and my network led me very clearly to AG. I have to uh, assume you're asked this very frequently, but when someone asks you, Kat, what is your best career advice? I'd love to hear <laughs> what you tell them. Man, one, everyone's journey is so unique, so be careful listening to other people's career advice. <laughs> um, um, but I will... I, I will share a few a few bits. One, this mantra that I have that's a version of what my mom used to write on my birthday cards, which is don't forget where you came from, but don't you dare ever let it solely define you. Um, and I'll add our truth is in our roots, but our past is not our anchor. So I worked for Hooters, but I was also a champion of women's leadership and women's development and the chair of the board of the Women's Food Service Forum. I ran Cinnabon, one of the most indulgent companies in the world, but I was a champion for food deserts, healthy eating, nutrition. If you look at some of those things, they can look like complete conflicts with each other. But in fact, they're just a person on a journey, not being too worried about what other people think about how these steps do or don't connect with each other. And so don't forget where you came from, but don't let whatever was yesterday define you. You're always reinventing. And the way you do that is doing incredible work, taking really great care of people, and never stopping learning. That growth mindset, continually having a learner's mind, that day one mentality, I mean, those are things that help you just keep reinventing yourself and being ready and relevant for the next opportunity. There is a lot to learn from Kat's path. From the moment she started working at gyms and other hourly jobs, she exhibited a remarkable sense of ownership and determination. Her family didn't have money, so she hustled. She was failing college, but she found a way to build an extraordinary career without a degree. And people in her industry noticed. Over and over again, people saw her skills and results, and they wanted to work with her. 
but not everyone gets poached like cat. So how do you put yourself in the best position to be noticed? That's where knowing how to pitch yourself comes in. We'll get into Pitching Yourself 101 after the break. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Welcome back to The Path. Before the break, we heard how Kat Cole went from being a hostess at Hooters to working on the corporate side of the business and how she kept reinventing herself from there. A part of her success comes from believing that the best is yet to come. Like she said... Don't let whatever was yesterday define you. But when you're interviewing for a job or convincing someone to invest in your business, how can you make sure they don't define you by your past? The best way is to get great at pitching yourself. So today, I've asked Jody Glickman, author of the LinkedIn learning course, Pitching Yourself for Opportunity, to share some best practices for how to do just that. If you don't control your own narrative, someone else will control it for you. And most of us are aspiring to new opportunities, new roles, new jobs that we've never done before. So you have a choice. You either buy into the narrative that you haven't done it in the past, and so you're not qualified to do it going forward, or you take the Cat Cole model, which is... There is a ton of opportunity out there. I'm always learning. I'm always growing. I want to take on new roles and new challenges, and I'm going to make it happen. I think most people get tripped up by how intimidating they think a pitch is. And it's because we set our goals and ambitions way too high. You think to yourself, oh, I'm going to have this really important high stakes conversation. And if I bomb, I'm not going to get the job or I'm not going to be introduced to this person or I'm not going to get an investment for my business. And what we forget is that the goal of any pitching conversation, the singular goal is simply a second conversation. Nothing more and nothing less. You're trying to engage someone on a human level. 
You're trying to make a connection. You're trying to get to the point where someone says, wow, that's so interesting. I want to learn more. Or, aha, I haven't thought of it that way. We should follow up the conversation. Or, you know what? I don't know if there's a role for you, but I really enjoyed speaking to you. Let me think about who else I can introduce you to. When you say to yourself, my goal is just to have a second conversation, that makes it really attainable, really tangible, and a lot less intimidating. What most people get wrong about the pitch is that we start by looking backwards. We tell you where we've been and what we've done and where we've studied. And with all due respect, no one really cares that much about your past. We're much more interested in your future, where you're going and what you're going to accomplish. And the three pieces of the pitch strategy are number one, lead with your destination. Start by looking forward. Number two, then and only then can you go backwards, right, and talk about your backstory, your relevant experience or your transferable skills. And then at the end, number three, you bring it all together. You connect the dots for us. Leading with your destination and looking forward is the hardest part. You actually have to know where you're going, what you want to do, who you want to be. This is where most people flounder because they'll say, I want to go into digital marketing or I really want to work in luxury retail. But beyond that, they don't know why or how or what that really means. And if you say to me, hey, Jody, I'm looking for a new job in digital marketing. Do you have anyone you can connect me to? I don't know what to do with that. You've got to tell me why you want to go into digital marketing, what exactly you want to do, which companies you really love, what speaks to you about the industry. Your destination is what's going to hook me in. And if you don't know the answers to those questions, it's really hard to sell someone else on bringing you on board. That's your destination. Your backstory is when you talk about your skills and interests and talents that are relevant to whatever you're trying to do going forward. If you have relevant experience, speak to it. If not, speak to your transferable skills. I want to go into digital marketing. This is a departure from me. I was an accountant by training, but here's what I do really well that's related to this industry. I am really, really creative, or I am a big picture thinker and I'm great at connecting the dots. You have to make those connections for people. And then, right, you bring it all together. Step three, connect the dots. Why your destination and your backstory, why they come together at this moment in time to say, you're the right person for this opportunity, or this is the perfect time and moment where you are going to make this change or lead this initiative or start with this new organization. Like anything, you have to practice have a conversation with someone. Your pitch is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. I never, ever, ever want you walking in, meeting someone and just spitting out your destination backstory and connect the dots. You lead with your destination in the hopes that they get interested or intrigued and say, tell me more or tell me what you did before this. And that's when you go into your backstory and connect the dots. Leveraging the pitch strategy to say to yourself, just because I haven't done it before doesn't mean I can't do it in the future is the way that you think about your destination in a strategic way. You can be opportunistic. You can take risks. You can raise your hand and ask to do something new. There's no reason not to try. So here's my takeaway. 
At the end of the day, what matters most is where you're going. Like Kat said, don't forget where you came from, but don't let it solely define you. If Kat hadn't believed that, she would have never made the jump from restaurant to corporate at Hooters or from Cinnabon to Athletic Greens. Like Kat, keep learning. Take on an owner's mindset wherever you are and don't sell yourself short. Whether you succeed or fail, you're likely to end up with a great story you can use to pitch yourself and land your next big opportunity. Follow the path for more episodes weekly and join the conversation about each episode on linkedin.com slash the path. The Path is a LinkedIn editorial production. Our production team includes Ava Ahmadbegi, Stephen Valdivia, and Rachel Wong. Asaf Gidron mixes our show. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Dave Pond is head of news production. Our head of original programming is Courtney Coop, and Dan Roth is our editor-in-chief. Thanks to Tatiana Delmida, Caroline Gaffney, and Valerie Berry. And a big thank you to Jody Glickman. If you want to get more of her tips and insights, follow her on LinkedIn and check out her LinkedIn learning courses on leveraging your transferable skills, pitching yourself, and being great on the job. 